Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. And we're delighted to bring you short portions of this spoken ministry on today's broadcast. Now, let's join today's life study. When the Apostle Paul first passed through Thessalonica and established the church there, he set the young and new believers on a solid footing, not just preaching the gospel to them, but also anchoring them in the three strong elements of their life in Christ, faith, love, and hope. Chapter 1, verse 3, Remembering unceasingly your work of faith and labor of love and endurance of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ before our God and Father. Then, some months later, Paul found himself excessively burdened to see how the young church in Thessalonica was progressing, so much so that he could bear it no longer, so he sends his faithful co-worker Timothy to help foster their faith and encourage them. Chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and encourage you for the sake of your faith. These are precious words, and Francis Ball has joined us here as we uh, have a chance to really look into the heart of the apostle and the uh, lives and the development of the experience of these young believers in Thessalonica. It's quite a word, isn't it? It really is quite a word, and I can see even this introduction you've given, such a heart of the apostle and so promising a church as this young church in Thessalonica. We've uh, talked a lot, Francis. Now we begin our third week in this new life study of uh, First Thessalonians about the background of these new believers, the sinful nature of the city, even the rather well-known nature of the city being quite worldly, and the inhabitants engaged in all manner of worldly and sinful activities. And yet out of this dark situation, God calls this church the apostle preaches the gospel. They have a real response of faith. And now we're seeing his tender and intimate care for them a year later. I love this book and the picture that it portrays. But today's program is very uh, helpful and I think instructional. And at the same time, it's encouraging, isn't it? We're going to really look at this matter of faith today. Well, I really appreciate this because uh, here's a young church came out of such a background as you've brought out and yet they need to be strengthened in their faith, but everything about them is so promising. Yeah, They have received the apostle, they've received the word, and they've gone on in a very encouraging way, but the apostle is concerned very much that they would go and be strengthened there in their faith, mm-hmm. and so he opens up some things that I think we all need to hear about being strengthened in faith. He mentioned it in that first word we read, chapter 1, verse 3, the work of faith. Uh, But we see this word in Paul's writings, especially in uh, these two epistles to the Thessalonians, also in his epistles to Timothy. Uh, We see this word faith used in some different aspects. Of course, we know that faith carries the meaning of our act of believing into the Lord. There's an active uh, aspect of faith. But there's also an objective aspect of faith, one that has really no direct relationship to us. It's the things outside of us in which we believe in. 
And Witness Lee will set a very good foundation on these two aspects in this first portion. Let me read a verse from 1 Timothy, since Timothy has already come up today. In 1 Timothy 1.19, Paul said, Holding faith and a good conscience, concerning which some thrusting these away have become shipwrecked regarding the faith. Francis, this is a good verse because it mentions faith in both its aspects, doesn't it? Yes, it does, because the faith, the faith, are really the the objective truth that we believe in. But the faith is what produces subjective faith. Without the hearing of faith in the ministry of the Word, there's no response in us to believe. And that faith is called a subjective faith. So I think we see in this message today, we'll see the two aspects of this matter of faith. In this verse we just read, holding faith, it begins, that is the subjective aspect. That's our act of believing. And then at the end of the verse, of course, have become shipwrecked regarding the faith. That is the objective faith outside of us, as you said, the very substance of the things in which we believe. All right, let's join Witness Lee with this fellowship today. In the New Testament, faith has two aspects, objective and subjective. The objective aspect refers to uh, the things we believe in for our salvation. You know, even uh, in our Christian talk, quite often we ask, what is their faith? That means, in what they believe. This is not your believing action, but the things in which you believe. This is the contents of the uh, New Testament. When you hear these things, spontaneously, these things produces a subjective aspect in you. That is your believing act. The objective aspect is too, too profound. None of us can say the faith you have accepted is completed. No, not yet. Because God's economy is too profound. And the content of God's economy is just Christ. And Christ is all-inclusive. And Christ is all-extensive. Such a Christ is the content of God's economy. And this content is our faith, our objective faith. This objective faith always produces the subject of believing. Who you got a revelation concerning Christ? Spontaneously, a kind of believing is infused into your being. You just believe. When the apostle Paul says, I sent Timothy to establish and encourage you for the sake of your faith. That means what? I sent Timothy to see how are you doing in your faith. I like to know this. This is my concern. Are they growing in their believing or they are decreasing? We must watch over their faith. You have to realize all these backsliding ones. If you would uh, observe a little bit, you will find out more or less they lose sight of their faith. They lose sight. 
They saw Christ, they saw the church, but gradually they have lost sight of what they saw. When the sight of the contents of God's economy is lost, you don't have any believing act within you. The believing ability inside of you is always a result, an issue of the sight of God's economy. It's terrible to lose sight of God's economy. Francis, let's look not just at these two things, but also the relationship between these two that he opened up in the last part here. We have the objective faith outside of us. That's the content of the New Testament. That's really what we believe in as believers and Christians. Then when we see this, especially when we see Christ within, there's a response, the action of our believing. This is the subjective faith. And talk about, now again, the linkage between these two, because that, I think, is the key point here. Well, I think you very well described it because the truth is presented in the preaching of the gospel. When a person preaches God's economy, not just a simple uh, believing, uh, acknowledging, and outwardly saying some words, but there is something that transpires when a gospel is preached with God's economy. Mm -hmm. And I mention that because so many times the preaching is so shallow that they don't have much to see. When they've heard certain words about God's love and so on, they don't have much realization of what's involved. But when the gospel is preached as the Apostle Paul brought it to Thessalonica, there was something in this that caused a reaction, a response within those believers there to see something. Yeah. And seeing it, they they believed it. Seeing in this light is believing. Right. And because faith is always thought of being to believe even what you can't see. But we have to have the sight of God's purpose, God's goal, God's economy, in order for us to have, working in us, a responsive faith of believing in what we have seen. And as he mentioned there, for to lose that faith, mm -hmm. to lose that sight is a very tragic thing. And yet I have seen this happen oh, sure. with some that really uh, heard the word, they believed, but they only that much— so I can see what Paul's burden here is to follow up this young church to make sure their faith is increasing. And that means that the word is still coming to them and they are still responding within with a subjective faith. He said the backsliding really is brought on by losing sight of what we had seen. Mm -hmm. If we lose sight of Christ, the first thing, of course, that in my experience that goes is my appreciation or love for him. That goes cool and cold. Over time, then, that condition, if it's allowed to continue, will escalate, won't it? And eventually, we become, as Paul describes in First Timothy, shipwreck concerning mm -hmm. the faith. And uh, our whole faith is nowhere to be found when we look within. Yes. So it's very key, isn't it, to pray, to keep that view of Christ in his economy. And really, God's economy is just Christ. But to keep that view of him and that revelation of him fresh all the time. Yes, that is very, very important. And without that, there's no way for a person to go on in their Christian life in a successful way. But the wonderful thing that impresses me so much is Paul's concern yeah. that he just had Boy. been away and been under affliction, 
And he knew that the Thessalonica Christians knew that he was under certain affliction, and this might discourage them. So he was very concerned how they would go on in their faith. So this is why he sends Timothy with the same follow-up word that he had given them at the beginning so they could be strengthened in their faith. And really have this vision renewed. As we open the program, going back to the very first chapter, third verse, seeing these three key items, the first of which was faith. But if our faith has been encouraged, has been established, as Timothy was doing there, the result will be that love issues forth. And that comes out in these verses later on in chapter 3. For what thanks can we return to God concerning you for all the joy with which we rejoice because of you before our God, night and day petitioning exceedingly, so that we may see your face and complete the things that are lacking in your faith. So here, Timothy wanted to complete or perfect more even Mm -hmm. the things that were lacking in their faith. As a young church, surely there were areas where they needed to be uh, completed and perfected, didn't they? I think this is what makes this epistle so appropriate for many Christians today. Many started out well, but the main thing is know how to go on by receiving the word that increases their knowledge also of God's economy, which produces the faith within them to go on. All right, let's go back to Witness Lee, Francis. Timothy, having just come to us from you, I'm bringing good news to us of your faith and love. He brought us the good news concerning your faith and love. Love is just the flow of faith. Love is the coming out of faith. Faith is the foundation. Love is a building up. And hope is the top stone of the entire building. Firstly, in this establishing word, Paul covers faith. Then gradually, he brings in love. So Paul says, we pray for you exceedingly day and night that we may see your face. Not just to visit you, but to perfect what is lacking in your faith. You, Thessalonians, have been in the Lord just less than half a year. Surely you are lacking in the objective faith, and you are also lacking in the subjective faith. A lot of things we haven't opened up to you. Well, to go to you again, to show you more, more of Christ, then you will have more sight concerning Christ. Then your sight, your objective faith, will be much more broadened. Then spontaneously, your subjective faith will be increased. Up to verse 10, no doubt, he has mainly covered the first atom of the basic structures, that is faith. Now, from 11, he goes on from faith to love. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And the Lord calls you to increase and abound in love, 
Increase here means grow. Firstly, we need to perfect your faith. Then out of your faith, something will come out. That is a kind of living of love. You love all the saints, not only those who meet with you, but all. We have a kind of a pattern here, Francis, of cause and result, cause and effect. Seeing Christ causes a response of love. The increase of faith, the establishing and strengthening of faith causes something to flow forth, doesn't it, that relates to how we feel about the Lord, about the saints. Uh, It's a marvelous thing, love coming out of faith, isn't it? It is marvelous, and certainly this is a good way to put it, that love is the flowing out of faith. When we have the Word presented to us, that means Christ presented to us in the Word. We have an appreciation of Him. That's faith. And that needs to be increased, and it needs to be broadened, because this is a big field. Christ is all-extensive, all-inclusive, and to just know him as our Savior from sin, the one who died on the cross for us, is wonderful. But this is very shallow compared to what God's intention is in his word. So Paul's burden for Timothy to go there and Timothy's report back of how they were doing— both the believers in Thessalonica, and it encouraged the apostles very much by their growth. Francis, the top stone of this building, which was the work of their faith, their labor of love and endurance of hope, surely the top stone is this matter of hope. And as it was in the first chapter, we see again hope here now after faith is established and increasing, love is flowing forth. Hope is related very much to the way in which we, the believers, are looking toward the Lord's coming, and uh, that connection should never be lost on us, should it? That's right. That's what really brought out here, just in relation to the coming of our Lord Jesus is brought into this passage. In chapter 3, verse 12, the Lord caused you to increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we also to you, verse 13, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Mm -hmm. Here is the top stone of hope in our final portion. Verse 13 says, If your faith is perfected and your love is growing, increasing, and abounding, then the result will be a hope that... He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father. Where is the hope? At the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. So you see, here you have hope indicated. This is the establishing of a holy life for the church life. By touching its structures of faith, love, and hope. Paul's way to take care of the new and young believers is absolutely different from our way. His way is to show the new believers that as they have been regenerated of God the Father, and brought into the organic union with the Lord Jesus Christ, 
they surely have a structure of a holy life for the church life. And a holy life means a life that is entirely separated, sanctified unto God. You live a life absolutely for God, and by God, and with God, and in God. And such a holy life is for the church life. In this life, there is a structure, the structure of faith, of love, and of hope. What we should work with the young and new believers is just to foster such a life, to nourish, to cherish, to make such a life grow. Not only so, we also have to learn how to establish, how to strengthen, how to encourage such a life in its three structures, to establish its faith, to establish its love, and to establish its hope. Francis, his word is that Paul's way is different than our way. Paul had this view, realizing that the responsibility he bore uh, in caring for these new ones was more than just simply to teach them a lot of objective truths. That's one aspect of our responsibility to care. But I like the words he used here, organic union, fostering, cherishing, nourishing, with the result that something is going to grow. Did you not like this emphasis as well? I should say so. This is very organic. And I feel, Chris, that for a good portion of my Christian life, I was under a kind of teaching to improve, to to be more faithful, a work of faith, and uh, bounding in hope and love and so on. I never heard these terms in that kind of connection. But when Paul brings it out here, we realize what a tender heart he had and how much he was really for these people developing in their Christian life that the church could be flourishing, not just by its work and so on, but by an organic relationship with Christ. Boy, the organic relationship, don't we see that again and again in the, uh, the way the Word is unfolded in this ministry that we are so privileged to handle each day? This is a very, very encouraging aspect that we know this is not a matter of doing, it's a matter of being, that inwardly we have another life, and it's being fostered and being kept in the right subjective faith and giving us a sight of God's economy, what God wants to do. You know, my wife loves flowers, and our yard is, of course, being here in Southern California now. We used to live in the cold Northwest, and we had less opportunity, but down here, it's almost boundless what can grow down here, and she is forever planting these little black, hard, crusty seeds in the ground and just doing some basic things, trusting that there's something in there that will produce something quite uh, spectacular in its season. seems very much Paul is oriented the same way. He's a gardener here, isn't he? Yes, I believe that's right. <laughs> a good illustration. Well, wonderful time again to fellowship over these portions and always look forward to your coming. Uh, you, you have a very uh, keen way, I think, with your years of experience and your utterance to bring these things to a a level that all of our listeners can really get a hold of. I uh, cherish these times. Thanks, Francis. Thank you for allowing me to come. This is my pleasure. We hope you would uh, 
be drawn to want to read these printed life study messages. The points are seem simple on one hand. On the other hand, they are new. They are fresh. It's it's often and most often a, a new way of looking at what may be old passages that we think we understand. And to go back through the printed messages and reflect on them carefully, prayerfully, before God and in His Word is really how to bring these matters into a, an organic union within you. So uh, we would recommend it. I hope you'll contact us. Our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Our mailing address, Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. Try to be with us this week as we are now in our third week of this life study of 1 Thessalonians. We'll be back tomorrow for Francis Ball and Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening today. In both the first and last book of the Bible, God presents himself to man as the tree of life. Throughout the Bible, God is portrayed as food for man to eat and life for man to enjoy. In the tree of life, Witness Lee presents a view of God's heart that is little understood and seldom experienced by Christians today, revealing that it is God's desire that we receive Christ experience Christ, and enjoy Christ as our moment-by-moment supply. The Tree of Life from Living Stream Ministry is available at Christian bookstores everywhere. Or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788.